Take your Bible, turn with me, if you will, to uh, Isaiah 6. For you that are visiting with us, we have been involved in a series we're calling Learning from the Testimonies of Old Testament Men and Women. And tonight, we're, or this morning, we're going to look at the testimony of Isaiah. And if Isaiah was with us and he gave his testimony, he would tell us some things that we need to know about the life-transforming power of the holiness of God. Isaiah 6. In the year Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his temple, of his robe, filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundation of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. If Isaiah were to give his testimony, the first thing he would say to us is that our God is an awesome God. The most important thing in your life is how you see God. If you have a small view of God, a sub-biblical view of God, I mean, I cringe when I hear people talk about God as the man upstairs or one guy I heard say, well, God's my homeboy and it makes me quiver inside because if you have that kind of low view in God, you'll have either no faith or weak faith and he'll make little difference in how you live. But if you have a great view of God, if you have a biblical view of God, it changes everything about your life, how you trust Him, how you are committed to Him, how you live under His Lordship. And so Isaiah starts off, with this vision of the grandeur of God. He gives the setting of it. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died. The story of Uzziah, the king, is found in 2 Chronicles 26. Uzziah became king when he was 16 years old, and the Bible says that he sought the word of the Lord in the day of the prophet Uzziah. And as long as he sought the word of the Lord, God made him prosper. And so you have this time under Uzziah that Israel goes into a golden period. God blesses them. 
uh, financially, economically, militarily, socially. It was a great time. But then you come to the middle of 2 Chronicles 26, and it says this about Uzziah, that he was marvelously helped until he was strong. And when he became strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Pride filled his heart, and he exempted himself from the word of God. And, and he becomes a leper because he enters into the temple to take the offering for himself. And so the first part of Uzziah's reign is upward, but the last part is a downward trend for Israel. And Uzziah dies. And Israel is at a low point, just like our nation is on a downward trend. And Uzziah is desperate for the Lord. He's hungry for the Lord. Jeremiah said, the Lord says, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with all of your heart. That's Isaiah as you come to Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died. And then he gives us this sevenfold picture of the awesomeness of our God. He said, I saw the Lord, first of all, as sovereign. He sat on a throne. I want you to know our God is over his creation. He is above all. He is over all. In my life group at Bellevue, I've been teaching through the book of Romans. And, and for the last uh, uh, seven weeks, we've been in Romans 8 and looking at the great promises. And, and today we came to the end on, on the blessed assurances that God gives us. And the first assurance was in verse 31 when Paul said, If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is on the throne, I want you to know, Satan cannot be an effective enemy against you. Jesus, John said in his first epistle, destroyed the work of the devil on the cross. And he said that, that when you and I face temptation, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world, God, the Holy Spirit. And you and I don't have to be weaklings that just simply say, I just couldn't help myself. I want you to know our God is on the throne. He's in control. He is over all. Secondly, uh, Isaiah says that he is all-powerful. I saw the Lord on the throne high and lifted up. He not only is over all, but he has power over all. Now, what difference does that make to our lives? I would say it makes all of the difference in the world. You, you remember when uh, Jeremiah has been called of God to do a difficult task, and he is to be the prophet that would bring 
uh, the message of the impending judgment because of the hearts of the people that turned from the Lord and, and Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar are going to come for the 70 years of captivity. People didn't like to hear that. In fact, they didn't like it so much that they threw him in prison. They didn't just throw him in prison. They threw him in the sewer of the prison up to his neck. And he comes to a place, he says, well, Lord, they won't listen to me. I'm not going to mention your name to them anymore. And then he said, your word was like a fire in my bones, and I couldn't be quiet if I wanted to. And he has this difficult task. And in Jeremiah 33, he comes to the Lord. And in verse, 32, in verse 17, he says, Ah, Lord God, you created uh, the earth with your outstretched hand and power, and there is nothing too hard for you. Now, in the Hebrew, that is a double negative. There is nothing, no, nothing at all too hard for you. And then the Lord responds to Jeremiah in verse 27 and says, I am the God of all flesh. <laughs> Is anything too hard for me? And where that word anything is, you can draw a blank. And God said, fill in the blank. Is your marriage too hard for me? Are your finances too hard for me? Are your struggles, your difficulties too hard for me? I want you to know, Isaiah said, he's in control. He is overall, and he has all power within himself. The third thing that, that Isaiah tells us about the awesomeness of God is that he is full of majesty. He said... He's sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The, the robe was speaks of the majest uh, majesty of the king. And here is the king of glory, the king of kings. Isaiah's in the temple, he sees him, and he says, his robe filled. Complete saturation of the presence of a majestic God. Then he said, he's worthy of worship. You see that in the seraphim. He said, I saw the seraphim. This is the only time the seraphim are mentioned. These angelic beings. They're, they're not like a chubby little babies with wings. These are mighty, majestic, angelic beings that are around the throne of God. Have you ever noticed that whenever an angel appears to a man, the first words he says, fear not. Within the ranks of angels, here are the seraphims. And their task is around the throne. And it says they have six wings with two that cover their face. Listen to me. 
They stood before the glorious, majestic, almighty God, and they said it's too great to look upon the angelic beings. And with two, they covered their feet because they knew that they were standing on the holiest of holy ground in the presence of Almighty God. With two, they flew. They did what God commanded them to do. There's the worship of awe and astonishment before Him. And there is the worship that Ken told us about of presenting our bodies as living sacrifice, which is our spiritual act of worship. Here are these seraphim, mighty, majestic beings who stand in utter awe of God. And that brings us really to the heart of the passage. Our God is holy, holy, holy. Said the seraphim, each had six wings, and two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the picture of here is, is that their testimony of the holiness of God just redounds in heaven. One cries out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, 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 another would answer, is the Lord of hosts. Holy, 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 another would cry in response. And so it would go on through eternity. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Bible tells us many things about God. He is all-wise, all-knowing. He's all-powerful, ever-present. He is faithful. He is love. He, on and on we could go, but that which the Bible says about God, God more than anything else is that he is holy. And that he's holy, holy, holy speaks of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Holiness means separation from sin. James says that God is so pure that he can't be tempted, neither can he tempt. He's utterly, absolutely removed from sin. He is holy. Now in a minute we're going to see that holiness and that love come together at the cross, but you and I need to understand that our God is an awesome and a holy God. Don't ever talk lightly about God. Don't ever diminish his holiness. That's the essence of his being. His power is a holy power. His ever-presence is a holy presence. His love is a holy love. Everything that God is and everything that God does is an expression of his holiness. But Isaiah doesn't stop there. He says, not only is, whole, is he holy, but he's glorious. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of earth. The whole earth 
is full of his glory. <laughs> David would say in Psalm 19, that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament holds forth his handiwork. Golly, we were taking a, a, a group of kids to uh, uh, Florida. Uh, we were going out to Peter Lord's church for a camp. And uh, the bus didn't have air conditioning, so we left after church Sunday night. And uh, <clears throat> we had three drivers. And uh, we, we set it up. One of them, we strung a hammock. Somebody was sleeping. Somebody was driving. And then somebody was sitting on the Coke can talking to the driver to keep him awake. And Troy was driving, and I was sitting on the Coke can. And on the seat behind us, Mike Ekdahl was sleeping. Mike uh, came from an atheistic, agnostic background, his family. And he just was on the trip because one of his friends invited him, and it was a free trip to Florida. And I was sitting on the Coke can talking, or the Coke container talking to Troy and the sun broke and and here we're driving down the panhandle and the ocean's here and the sun comes up and it's reflecting on the ocean and the beauty of the scenery and I said you know Troy I don't see how anybody can look at creation and not believe in the greatness of our creator God Later that week, Mike Eckdahl was saved. We asked him his testimony. He said, you know, we were, we were there and I was laying down, but I wasn't asleep and I heard you say that to Troy about the glory of God in creation. And I just began to look around me <laughs> and saw the evidence of a glorious, great creator God. He's holy, 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 and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And then the seventh thing that, uh, that uh, Isaiah tells us about our awesome God is that his word is powerful. Look at verse 4. It says, And the foundation of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. God speaks, and the foundation of the temples shakes. When you and I come to the Word of God, we're not coming to the faults of religious men. We're coming to the living, powerful Word of God that shakes our lives and then shapes our lives. Now, that's the vision that Isaiah sees of the awesomeness of God. And if you don't stand in awe of God, then he's making little difference in your life. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to come and bow down to him in Jesus. The second thing that Isaiah would tell us, not only is our God an awesome God, he would tell us that a right view of the holiness of God 
brings a right view of self. He sees the greatness and awesomeness of God, and his immediate response is conviction. Woe is me. <laughs> and he's going to tell us why. He says, woe is me. In, in verse 5, he says, my eyes have, have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And when I see the greatness of God, it causes me to see the sinfulness of my life. The older I grow, two things that are happening in my life. I'm more and more and more astonished that God would so love me that he would send Jesus to die for me. And I become aware more and more of the ugliness of my sin. That's what's happening in Isaiah's life. I want you to know it's, there's a cost for us to sing the Revelation song, Holy, Holy, Holy. Because it turns the spotlight back on me. And how unholy I am. Woe is me. <laughs> and that conviction leads to confession. Woe is me for I'm lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I want you to know you cannot be saved without that kind of confession. And I want you to know as a believer you can't be clean without that kind of confession. It just didn't come to God and say, well, I messed up, please forgive me. I'm getting serious about the depths of my heart before a holy God and wanting to be changed. And Isaiah identifies the problem in his own life. He's spoken lightly of God. He said, that's unclean. And I live in the midst of a people who do the same thing. We're undone. We're lost. We're hopeless. Conviction that leads to confession always leads to cleansing. Listen to it. Verse 6, And one of the seraphims flew to me, having his hand in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with thongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips sacrifice that God's made and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Wow. Is that 1 John 1, 8 and 9 in the Old Testament? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess, if we agree with God on our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
I want you to know I'm so far from being holy. But I can always be clean before the Lord. The third thing that Isaiah would tell us is that when you have a right view of the holiness of God, it will lead to obedience in life. You uh, have a divine question in verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who, who, who? Here's the triune God speaking. That's the us. Who will be on my mission? Who, who will be committed to my purpose? And then you have a surrendered response. And then he said, here am I. Send me. And when I lay my body on the altar, I present myself to you. You're, you're awesome. And you've cleansed me. And the only thing that I can do is bring back this body that you've, you've, you've redeemed and, and, and say, it's yours. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Here am I. Whatever God's call is in your life, here am I. And that leads to the divine command. Go and speak to the people. Share my message. Share what's happened in your life with others. And I want you to know every one of us who are saved have our story of the glory of His grace in our lives. And we're called and commissioned to go and tell the people. Now, that leads to the last, because it all goes together. The last thing that uh, Isaiah would say to us is that uh, if uh, you have a right view of the holiness of God, it'll lead to a Christ-centered and cross-centered life. The gospel in Isaiah is so prominent. Isaiah has so many prophecies about Jesus. He has prophecies about the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 7:14 says that the virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. Or Isaiah 9:6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and in that you have the humanity and the deity of Christ. A son, a child is born, that's his, his humanity, his incarnation, but a son is given, that's his deity, God giving his son. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of his government and peace, of his kingdom and his peace, there will be no end. So he speaks to us, so he just talks about Jesus. But he comes to the height 
of talking about Jesus. In that section in, in, in Isaiah 50, where he's talking about Jesus as the suffering servant. And in that passage where he talks about Jesus as being the suffering servant, the height of it becomes Isaiah 53, where he talks about the reality of the cross. Listen to what he says. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up like him, like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Jesus was a man. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. Man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our iniquities and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned away every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I want you. Can I tell you what happened? God's heart became Isaiah's heart. He saw the greatness of God. He bowed his life and surrendered. And all he wants to do is talk to people about Jesus, mighty to save. so overwhelmed when he talks to us about the gospel. I wonder if it's grace that a holy God would love sinful men so much he would send his son Jesus to die on the cross. Cold, he judges our sin. Blood, he judges our sin in the body of his son. When's the last time that you told somebody about Jesus? It means it's out of the passion of your heart to do well. It's out of the overwhelming awe and power that a holy God would love you so much that he'd send his son to die. So awestruck by that rejection to be it's more important than talking about the ball game the golf tournament it's more important than anything in the world in the year that 